Support for this episode comes from SaneBox. Is email a soul-crushing distraction? If so, then you need SaneBox. SaneBox's artificial intelligence monitors your inbox. Automatically unimportant email is moved to your Sane Later folder. And all that's left is the important stuff and your smiles. If you know how email folders work, then you know how SaneBox works. Find an email in the wrong folder? Just move it. Nothing to learn, nothing to install, SaneBox works directly with every single email server or service that has ever been created. And as a luxury item listener, you get a free two-week trial and a $25 credit by visiting SaneBox.com luxury today. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot slash luxury. You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. A massive intersection between the worlds of art and cryptocurrency is redefining the concept of ownership in the digital age, all to the tune of millions in sales for savvy artists. The surge of non-fungible tokens or NFTs as it's commonly known, allows virtual images and their original underlying code to be sold as unique works of art, even if copies of those same images proliferate. NFTs are essentially digital certificates that convey exclusive rights to something. This evolution was evident this past March when a purely digital work of art by Mike Winkleman, known as Beeple, sold for a record-breaking $69.3 million at a Christie's online auction. It was the third most expensive work of art sold by a living artist, and the most expensive digital asset to ever sell with a NFT. While each new day brings another breathless story on a new NFT record sale, the luxury and fashion world has remained mostly on the sidelines. But that's starting to change. Burberry and Gucci are adding NFTs to their repertoires. Gucci unveiled its first NFT in May with a film inspired by its latest fashion collection and released as part of the Proof of Sovereignty NFT sale hosted by Christie's. That sale closed with a final sale price of $25,000. Since the beginning of this year, Christie's has been at the forefront of auction houses facilitating the sale of NFTs, which had previously been sold without such intermediaries. Christie's is also coming off a very strong year overall. Despite the challenges presented by the global pandemic, the luxury auction house set 136 records across multiple sectors, including jewelry, watches, wine, and handbags, with a whopping 41% increase in lots sold online. My guest today on The Luxury Item is Netta Whitney. Senior Vice President, Head of Marketing for Christie's Americas. Netta joined Christie's at the start of 2021, and in her role, she develops marketing strategy for the Americas while leading creative, content, strategy, and communications teams. She oversees the marketing campaigns for the art, luxury, and design portfolios in the Americas with a focus on innovation, data, and creative execution. Prior to Christie's, Netta spent two decades working on the agency side in New York, San Francisco, London, and Paris. Most recently, she was SVP Managing Director of Client Services at RGA. Welcome to the luxury item, Netta. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here. You know, you joined Christie's at the start of this year in a very, very exciting time in the business. You know, the auction house that already successfully pivoted to digital even before the outset of the pandemic, and it really paid off for Christie's. 
Um, you know, the NFT market was heating up and Christie's became the first major auction house to sell a fully digital NFT based artwork for $69 million. So coming from the advertising world, what was your perspective on what was going on in the art world? Well, that's a great question, Scott. Um, you know, I spent 20 years in advertising and doing what what I thought at the time was going to be some of the most innovative work in my career. And then I joined Christie's and all of a sudden we're off to the races from the innovation front. I think one of my perceptions or misconceptions most likely about the art world was that it wasn't going to be as fast paced as advertising, or certainly it wasn't going to be on the level of digital innovation as some of the work I was doing in advertising. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I've learned so much about the NFT space in my time at Christie's. We've rolled out so many digital tools during the pandemic and and continue to do so so i think i'm learning very quickly that the art world can be just as bleeding edge as the advertising world i'm sure there was a lot of reasons why you moved over to christie's but was the fact that they were sort of getting into and accelerating into the you know digital space even more exciting for you to be part of that absolutely during um, my conversations with them I think one of the things that became really clear to me, and a lot of brands did this during COVID, a lot of brands had a digital roadmap. It was very thoughtfully planned over three years, six years, et cetera. And COVID hit and they were like, throw everything out the window, get that operational in three months. Right. Um, and I think, you know, the Christie's brand was no different. They were certainly doing a lot of amazing things from a digital innovation front, but no one really expected the traditional in-person auction model to go fully online or live streamed. Um, so I think for me, it was really exciting to know that we were in mid-cycle on a digital innovation work stream and process. And I got to experience the hard work that a lot of my colleagues, the dedication that they put in to getting us really up to speed on digital innovation. And now we get the fun job of iterating what worked, what didn't, what do we love and want to improve on? What do we say, okay, great during a global pandemic, not the way we want to do business though, if we can afford to be in person together. So it's really a luxury to be able to pick and choose the areas of digital innovation that we want to focus in on in a post-pandemic world. What were your immediate priorities when you joined Christie's? You know, I think one of the things that is a, a priority for me and a passion for me is Coming to Christie's from the outside world, I am constantly amazed by the wide breadth of things we have for sale. So not only what we're known for, some of the finest art, luxury goods, artifacts from around the world, but we've sold dinosaurs, guitar collections, rare sneakers, and now digital art. And I wanna make sure that everyone knows Christie's is a place they can explore and be inspired. And the next time they are looking to make that memorable purchase, when they wanna celebrate, a life occasion when they want to say, I just got my promotion or my bonus. I've got this extra money. How do I spend it? They come to Christie's for truly one of a kind piece with a story behind it. I think we live in a world where there is the commoditization of luxury and Christie's is one of the few brands remaining where you really can get you know, one of a kind piece. It used to be you went to Paris and you got to come back and say, oh, you know, I got this in Paris and everyone was like, oh, well, I can't get that. But now all the brands are everywhere, right? So Christie's is a place where you can get something, you know, in our Susan Goodfoyne sale earlier this year, you could get pieces that were gifted to Susan off the runway by Karl Lagerfeld. You could get one of a kind Chanel pieces and you could say, no one else in the world has this. 
It was right. a one of a kind piece gifted. And I think that something with a story is such an essential part of the future of luxury. And, you know, COVID-19 bolstered e-commerce sales for everything from home goods to fashion to beauty. So it's no surprise that the art market has been experiencing similar gains. We're seeing auction houses like Christie's, you know, shifted to digital selling or Christie was, was actually doing it already, but which brought in this younger generation of collectors who actually helped the art market survive the pandemic overall. And Christie's has been holding a fair number of auctions targeting these young collectors selling Supreme and, you know, these Air Jordan collections. Is there a real sea change in your client base, or is this just a kind of a temporary pandemic pastime while people were locked in front of their screens? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's a real sea change, to be really clear. There's It's an emerging collecting area, and it's one we see huge potential in. There was a report by Cohen Company in April of 2019 that said that the sneaker resale market it's estimated to be a $2 billion market, and it's going to triple in size over the next several years, reaching $6 billion by 2025. So that audience and that appetite is, is not going away. I think we are starting to dedicate sales to things like Supreme and sneakers, and um, it's a new collecting category that really merges art, fashion, and contemporary lifestyle. And I think Christie's acts as the ideal platform to offer this property in a meaningful way, really curate the property that we think tells interesting stories and has interesting provenance. So I think we're um, sticking with, you know, the, the lifestyle categories. I think our clients have shown an appetite for it. And I think we'll continue to, to test and learn with some of these spaces, but it's definitely a valid marketplace. Did anything surprise you about these young collectors who have sort of come into the fold when it comes to uh, being part of these online auctions? I think when we say young collectors who come into the fold, I think everything around luxury and wealth has gotten me younger in a way, right? You know, when, when, when I was growing up, I imagine when you were growing up, I don't think we were spending the same amounts at a young age that the younger demographics are now. And I think mm -hmm. part of that is, you know, whether it be the Kardashian effect or just this aspirational effect of wanting to have luxury items sooner. And, and grow into that lifestyle sooner. It used to be, well, when you hit your 50s and 60s, then you can start spending the big bucks. And now people are like, as soon as I have a little money, I want to engage in that aspirational lifestyle. So, you know, I think what, what might be surprising to some is how discerning the younger collectors are, how they have a really... Um, robust point of view. They know what they're looking for. They, they're interested in learning. Our collecting guides perform extremely well, but they have a strong opinion on what they like and what they don't like. And so, you know, I think it's really exciting to see the next generation of collector enter, enter the ring. Yeah. And I'm curious how, you know, how do you keep these young, wealthy collectors engaged? Now we're starting to see, you know, more travel, entertainment's opening up, um, people are getting out, you know, how do you hold their appetite for art? It's funny. I think as more things have opened up, the appetite has only increased. I think, you know, our sales are are performing higher and higher than, than previous years and even really robust years. And I think that is people's appetite as the world opens back up 
to really engage in arts and culture. So I think you're going to see it in the museum space, certainly, where people really get out there and, and start to show the appreciation for the arts and the culture that, that has lie dormant for a while when they couldn't participate. And we're seeing it, seeing it in art auction as well. You know, I couldn't have this conversation, obviously, without talking about NFTs. And people are watching what's going on in the NFT market, $17 million for a collection of algorithm generated pixel art images of alien punks <laughs> or $69 million for digital collage. And they're saying what the, you know, is going on here. Can you explain why Christie's has embraced the NFT market? Yeah, what the NFT is happening. Um, you know, I think innovation has always been a part of our heritage in so much that we engage and follow the trends of the art and collector community. It's part of what we did with our recent separation of our 20th and 21st century sales to create new platforms for new art. It's part of what we'll continue to do um, in the following decades and, and centuries, no doubt, if the Christie's brand heritage had anything to do with it. I think for us, we're going to continue to engage in the conversation in authentic and meaningful ways. To date, our engagement with NFTs has been primarily around digital art and artists that have a strong voice and following in the digital art community. I think you might see in the coming months that we start to diversify into fields outside of art with NFTs. I think, you know, at our art and tech forum on July 15th, we're partnering with the James Beard Foundation and Stella Artois to auction off a NFT recipe. Mm. which is really exciting by Marcus Samuelson for his Yardbird Fried Chicken. So I think we're going to look at different ways that we can engage in the NFT conversation that makes sense for a brand like Christie's that is known for selling iconic art and objects. And one of the big NFT sales, if not the biggest NFT sales that Christie's did, was I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, was Mike Winkleman, also known as Beeple, sold this digital collage for $69 million through Christie's. How did Christie's connect with Mike Winkleman in the first place? Yeah, well, my, Mike's been there doing his thing for a really long time. He started creating a single digital work every day in February of 2007 up until January of 2021. And ultimately that culminated in 5,000 digital artworks that reflect society's conflicted relationship with technology and wealth um, and commented on appropriating from society's growing obsession with internet culture. We linked up with Mike um, through our partners at Maker's Place who partnered with us on that sale. And based on his prolific reputation in the digital art and crypto community, he was highlighted as someone who would really make a splash, as he certainly did, um, in the digital art and NFT space. He's very well regarded. He has deep roots in the digital art community. So they connected us to him. We took a look at the, the depth and richness of work that he had to offer. I think 5,000 individual pieces of art collaged into one is a magnum opus for anyone to create. Um, and that's how the collaboration came, came to fruition. Yeah, and I was reading somewhere that after the NFT was sold for $69 million. Winkleman said, this is the next chapter in art history. So do you think he's right? Or do you think the possible, the next chapter will be the hype-driven NFT market bubble popping? <laughs> I think that's, that's the $69 million question. I think there is 
certainly going to be traction with NFTs for a long time to come. I recently did a keynote um, at the Cannes Festival of Creativity where I talked to digital artists, curators, creators, people in the entertainment space and others who were engaged in NFTs. And roundly, obviously they have a biased opinion, but the opinion was here to stay. Will it plateau? Absolutely. I think you know, you haven't seen a $69 million sale since people, but you've continued to see double digits in the millions um, for our crypto punks, which were sold earlier this year. Mm -hmm. um, we've certainly seen a lot of appetite continue for the crypto punks. We've sold NFTs from Andy Warhol. We've sold NFTs curated by different creators. So I think it's going to continue to be a part of the art fabric. Um, and it, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. We'll be right back with more of my conversation with Netta Whitney after this quick break. Inbox zero is a thing of the past. We're all inundated with email now, and it's no longer about responding to everything. It's about responding only to the important things, the messages that truly matter. And that's where SaneBox comes in. As messages flow in, SaneBox filters the distracting emails into your Sane Later folder, keeping only the most important ones front and center. See how SaneBox can magically tidy up your inbox and declutter your mind with a free two-week trial and get a $25 credit just for being a listener to the luxury item. Visit SaneBox.com luxury. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot luxury. And now back to the show. And most of the bidders for Beeple's NFT were millennials. So is this kind of just a young crypto community buying this art? It's not. You know, 58% of the bidders were millennials, but we had uh, a the, the other 42% were Gen Z, baby boomers, and Gen X. So we're certainly introducing, I think, new communities to um Art, digital art collecting and, you know, Justin Sun, who was an, an, an underbidder on the Beeple artwork, went on to, to collect in one of our London sales, traditional art. So I think it's not just millennials. They certainly over-index in that area for what our typical collector base looks like. But we have a lot of appetite outside the millennial community. And a lot of our uh, existing community is reaching out to us for thought leadership around NFTs. So I mentioned we have an art and tech summit coming up where we're going to really talk about that in a thought leadership space. We've done a lot of panels and conversations to get people up to speed as they think about whether or not they want to also engage um, in the NFT collecting space. And the NFT crypto market also seems like it's dominated by young white men. Do you see that changing? Uh, you know, it's it's a very divisive conversation, obviously. I think it is fair to say that there is an over-index, again, of young white men in that space. But certainly we see and we've been engaging with a number of key players in the space from diverse backgrounds and ethnicities. So we, uh, on our panel for NFTs, um, at our Art and Tech Summit, we have Kathleen Brightman, who's a co-founder of a sustainable blockchain named Tezos. 
we worked with Lady Phoenix, who um, is a diverse curator and creator of digital art on our proof and sovereignty proof of sovereignty sale that happened earlier this spring. So we definitely see different voices in the space, and that's something that we'd love to encourage. I want to kind of turn the tables a little bit to the luxury and fashion industry right now they're kind of dipping their toes in the NFT market. We're seeing Gucci uh, getting into it, Burberry getting into it, and a few others. Where do you see the intersection between luxury and fashion and NFTs and crypto right now? I think there's a lot of intersection, both in established brands like Gucci and, and Burberry that you spoke of, even Jake and company did an or NFT the watches, watch, right? right. right? Um, but I also think there's new entrants. So uh, Artifact is a company that sold, I think it was $3 million worth of digital sneakers in a few minutes that we have engaged with. I think there's brands like The Fabricant um, that sold the first digital couture dress and are thinking of the applications for digital fashion when you think about AR, when you think about gaming and other areas. So there's a lot of different areas for fashion and luxury and NFTs and crypto. I think everyone's trying to figure out what's going to stick. Yeah. And so if you're a luxury brand right now, what should they be thinking about when they're creating an NFT to tell their story and engage with customers? I think it's about knowing your audience and having a story to tell. So I think you know, the, the audience that Gucci has is a different audience than Burberry has, is a different audience than Rolex has. And I think, first of all, understanding the appetite for experimentation and innovation your audience has is really important. And I think the second piece is have something really unique and interesting to say. When we sold our Gucci Aria NFT, it was a first of its kind collaboration. Alessandro Michele was involved in it. So really making sure that it's something unique that the brand is creating that is going to appeal to the aesthetic of the brand's consumers. You know, but luxury now, you know, is so strongly associated with physical tangibility. We're seeing virtual clothing is changing fashion as we know it. Buyers are paying money for wearable NFTs for their avatar in the metaverse. Is it just young people who can really wrap their head around the idea of a digital asset as luxury? I think young people definitely have a leg up. <laughs> I think, <laughs> you know, talking about the metaverse to different generations resonates differently. And I think it's similar to, you know, gaming as an industry. There's a lot of people that still think that gaming is niche and gaming is huge. It's not going anywhere. It's growing. It's a booming multi-billion dollar industry and will continue to be so. So I think discounting um, digital assets as a luxury as a fad or something for younger audiences only is at the seller's expense. I think we really need to take it seriously and we need to understand how to engage the millennial audience and how to educate and make it um, you know, something that we can make snackable for other audiences and, and that we can bring other audiences into as well. So Christie's recently held its biannual luxury week auctions during which it sells its, you know, finest jewels, handbags, and watches. Were these hundred percent live stream sales? No, every spring we hold luxury week sales across multiple geographies. We've got Hong Kong, Geneva, Paris, London, oh, New right. York. And it's a true mixture of live and online sales across the categories. All of our live 
auctions were live streamed on Christie's.com and we're seeing an increasing amount of online activity in our live auctions. And then we also have um, online auctions as well. What do you think the balance is going to be in moving forward the next few years in terms of live stream versus in-person? I think we're definitely going to have a mix of both. I think instead of having online replace live auctions, there's most likely going to be an evolution to more hybrid buying where you see online participation, participation in live sales or live viewing for online sales. So having people come in and be able to view the objects, but then bid and transact online or vice versa, um, having online participation so you don't actually have to travel for any of the live auctions. Yeah, because I was reading uh, in a McKinsey report uh, that they did recently on watches and jewel on the watches and jewelry market. Someone from Christie said like 75% of luxury auctions will be held online by 2022. That includes jewelry, watches, handbags, and wine. How is Christie's going to court these high-end consumers who are so used to white glove in-person treatment before purchasing goods worth millions? Yeah. Online sales, they've been a, a core part of Christie's sales platform since 2011, and we've consistently been adding more online sales to the calendar since then. And we've seen um, a surprising resiliency in our luxury sales, even in 2020, when a lot of it was online. Um, we saw a tremendous global participation in 2020, bidders from 90 countries and 40% new buyers for luxury alone. So I don't think people are turned off by the idea of an online sale, but I do think that white glove treatment is really essential. So one way that we have really addressed that need is creating new suites of digital tools, everything from online viewing rooms, free educational content, interactive webinars, 360 videos um, and more. We found increased engagement online with each sale. Um, and we're, we've seen people bid on higher sale value lots as well that we originally reserved for live auctions. So we don't see any drawback to really continuing to have online sales, but we, uh, they're rising in importance, but we never see live auction being entirely replace. There's nothing that can compare to the energy in an auction room and creating an atmosphere right. that that is a public forum for people to transact and establish a moment in history. I think we're going to continue to develop digital tools um, to make the online experience as robust as possible, including things like enhanced video content, AR, VR, but we're never going to go fully online. Well, never say never, but we don't have plans to go fully online for our um, luxury auctions. And Christie's is having this art and tech summit coming up. Sounds really exciting. We're really going to take a deeper dive into NFTs. So tell us about that. What's happening at that summit? Yeah, a lot is happening at that summit. It's coming up July 15th. The tickets are currently on sale for online as well as in person in our space in 20 Rockefeller Center in New York City. It's going to be a really robust day of programming. So we are talking to a number of different folks in the NFT space, including folks like Justin Sun, who was the underbidder, as I mentioned, in the Beeple sale. We're going to be talking to Mad Dog Jones, who's an artist in the area. We're going to be talking to folks like Mike Novogratz, who are so known in the crypto area, um, to, to teach us a little bit more about the space. Um, and we're also going to be talking to people about sustainability in the NFT space, brand strategy in the NFT space, and how to more thoughtfully curate and collect. Then 
we're going to shift gears from the art world into NFTs and fashion, music, and entertainment mm -hmm. with some really great speakers, as well as how to display NFTs. And the final portion of the day is really going to be devoted to the intersection between art and technology more broadly than NFTs, different ways that we've expanded into the technology space. So it's going to be a really, really exciting day. So what are you hoping that people walk away with? I hope a couple things. I hope people walk away knowing more than they did about the NFT and the technology space in the art world. I hope people walk away feeling more confident and comfortable engaging in the space. Um, part of you know, having these panels and these conversations is to demystify it. We don't want it to feel like a black box. We want to really have our communities feel like they are in the know and they can comfortably transact as areas emerge. And then I think just bolster excitement. There's already been huge excitement and appetite to learn more and do more. And so we're just looking to, to really encourage that excitement in the space. Yeah, that's, uh, it sounds really exciting. So what else can we expect in 2021 from Christie's that's, that you can talk about? Uh, you know, I think you're going to continue to see some really exciting NFT sales. I think you're going to see us continue to roll out new, exciting digital tools and innovations. And I think you're going to, fingers crossed, start to see a return to in-person auctions. Uh, you know, we've already had some folks in our sale room in London. I hope that we can have people in our sale room in the fall in New York. We've already have uh, started to have some in-person events. We have our Aspen pop-up happening right now, our Hamptons pop-up happening right now that have a series of really great live programming. So while it might be old school and not new school, I hope we'll be able to see a lot of folks in person in the rest Everything of the Everything old year. is new again. Everything old is new again. The cycle continues. <laughs> so my final question, Netta, is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. So if you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only have one luxury item with you, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of air transportation or anything that requires mobile service. What would that one luxury item be that you would want to have with you? Okay, that's good. You said no transportation, so it's not like a, a private jet to get me off the island. Exactly. It's not, I wish the genie for a thousand wishes. <laughs> um, this is a this is a tough one. I think luxury at its core is something that sparks joy. And so while completely impractical on a desert island, my luxury item would be my Cartier watch. Um, I've had it for a really long time. It has a incredible importance and meaning to me. And I'm just obsessed with knowing the time, even when I don't have anywhere to be. So I think uh, even though it would be irrelevant on a desert island, I would take my Cartier watch with me. Netta Whitney, Senior Vice President, Head of Marketing for Christie's America. Thank you so much for joining me on The Luxury Item. Thanks, Scott. That's it for this episode of the Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time. <laughs>